Morning Twitter. I'm Isaac Fitzgerald. He is Saeed Jones. It is Thursday, and you are watching AM to DM. So, Joe Biden, he's Bidening. That's how I'm going to put it. Uh, here's the tweet. I know you've seen it. Social norms are changing. I understand that. And I have heard what these women are saying. Politics, to me, has always been about making connections, but I will be more mindful about respecting personal space in the future. That is my responsibility, and I will meet it. Yeah, you watched the whole video. I the, did. The thing that's not in there is an apology. Hey, no apology in there, Joe. Not even a low bar apology. Not mm. even one of those, oh, I'm sorry if I made you feel uncomfortable mm -hmm. moments. Um, also, I felt like it was shot a little close for an apology <laughs> on personal space. Like, not to get all technical about it, but he's talking with his hand a lot. I talk with my hands. I understand that a lot. But maybe if you're doing a public apology or non-apology <laughs> about uh, personal space, back the camera up a there little bit. There was a moment where he unbuttons his jacket. And I was like, nigga, what you unbutton your jacket for? It's like, it's like he's going to reach through the camera. Grab your shot. How you doing? How you doing? Um, I mean, but seriously, it's, you know, he's what sets me off. One of the things is, and at one point he says, you know, I've always been a champion for women. And that is factually inaccurate. Um, you should read Rebecca Tracer's excellent piece on his his career as a, as a senator. And when he's had many opportunities to support reproductive rights, for example, and like usually does not. Um, and also, you know, you could have championed Anita Hill. That was a woman who was dealing with sexual harassment and you were in a very powerful position to make a change there, and we saw what you did. So I'm like, no, dude, like, you're not a champion for women. Also, social norms are changing. Let's just talk about that first. Social norms are changing. If that's where the start of your, ah, oh, social norms are changing, and it's like, ah, oh, man, they've been... They've been, and also, that doesn't excuse the back in the day. Social norms are changing. Speaking of which, here's a tweet from Jess Dweck. Social norms are changing. I understand that, and I will no longer react to seeing a lady in a, by sh in a skirt by, sh sorry, by shouting, awooga, bucking my eyes out of my head and unfurling my tongue onto the jazz club floor. Oh, God, awooga. Sorry, I just had Jess. to do the awooga. It's great. Yeah. We needed it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, social norms are changing. It's like, well, back in my day, you know, calling black people the N-word was fine, but I guess social norms are changing, so I'll just call you colored. Like, no, it's fucked up then, it's fucked up now, and you're being passive-aggressive, actually. You're saying, like, oh, gosh, you're more sensitive now, so I guess I'll change my behavior. Change your behavior because it's the right thing to do. Mm. Okay. Mm. Well, children, let's take it to the timeline. How do you feel about Joe Biden's statement? We definitely don't have opinions on it, we, so we want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts using the hashtag am to dm <laughs> And moving on from that trash to what I frankly think of my favorite story of 2019. <laughs> Here's a tweet from Alexis Beneveniste. Um, May you have as much confidence as Lori Loughlin signing autographs before her court appearance. Look at her. Look at how, man. <laughs> She's got new shades she on. She's having the time of her She's life. The brightest smile. Uh -huh. Just like, oh, love to see my fans in Boston. <laughs> love to see my fans Has in she Boston. Has she been that desperate for attention from fans? That I, she's I, like, I don't know. Uh, fans are fans and y'all are here, so. I don't think that's, I just, I wonder, I would love to have been a fly on the wall of the conversations, like, how are we gonna play this? Right. And it's like, play it like a red carpet. Yeah, could uh, you imagine her defense attorney just looking at her like, did you just fucking take a selfie with a prosecutor? Like, are you crazy? <laughs> it's funny you should mention that. We're gonna get to it in a second. <laughs> Wall Street Journal reporter Melissa Korn tweeted, one parent in college admissions case, Peter John Sart Sartorio, said in court filing Wednesday that he plans to plead guilty. First explicit statement to that effect from a parent. Well, Melissa Korn joins us right now. Good morning, Melissa. 
Good morning. Hi. Okay, so what was the atmosphere at the courthouse in Boston yesterday? Were there autographs inside the court? Uh, so I actually am based in New York and I was taking feeds from my colleagues who were at the courthouse, but I was able to get a lot of sense of what was going on there. Uh, I don't believe there were autographs inside the court, but when Lori Laughlin appeared, as you guys said, she was to say the least cheery. She was smiling. She was smiling at kind of the crowd that had gathered. And there was this huge throng of news cameras of some supporters and some kind of detractors saying shame on them. Uh, and she was, she was smiling. And that's definitely not the kind of demeanor that you expect in that situation. And when she got into the courtroom, um, when it was her turn to go up to, up to the judge, in front of the judge, she actually went and shook hands with the prosecutors first. And that's not something you generally see defendants who are facing felony charges do. Yeah. Uh, most of the other defendants who were there, there were about a dozen there yesterday, other parents, they had a more somber tone, more businesslike, you know, head down, kind of, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, your honor. Just understanding perhaps more the, the enormity and the gravity of the situation. Okay, so they were not shaking hands. That That is a striking moment to me. Like, that, to me, really feels like somebody that's just like, I just want to make this as pleasant as right. possible. Like, I'm on set here, this is? and I'm going to go shake hands with the prosecutors. <laughs> but let's talk about the parent who is pleading guilty. What do we know about Mr. Mr. Sartario and where he's from and how he was involved in this scandal? Yeah, so he is in the Bay Area, uh, and he allegedly was one of the parents who paid this guy, Rick Singer, to uh, grease the wheels to get his kid into college. And, you know, as, as we all know at this point, this isn't just like hiring someone to help edit their essay or give some test prep, but uh, have somebody help uh, fix his kid wrong answers on a test on the, I think it was the ACT or the S, I don't remember the ACT or SAT and, you know, fix the wrong answers uh, so that he could put this fraudulent score in, in college applications. So these are the allegations against him. And he said in a court filing yesterday, like right before he was supposed to appear that uh, he asked for continuance to not have to appear until the end of the month because he was in discussions with the government and expected to plead guilty to what's called the information, which is a way of filing charges um, that the government will file later this month. And that means it could be the charge that he was initially facing, which is a conspiracy to commit mail fraud and honest services mail fraud, or it could be a different, a related or a lesser charge. We're not totally sure what the charge will be, but it'll be somehow related to that original charge. All right. And uh, overall, what, what comes next in this process? So uh, a couple more folks are going to appear in court in the next few weeks. We've got uh, Mark Riddell, who was the person who took the tests for a lot of these students or fixed their answers afterwards. And he's already agreed to plead guilty to a few charges. He'll be there next week up in Boston. And then the sentencings for the people who have already pleaded guilty, those will be coming in June. And we do... Based on our reporting, we understand there are a lot more parents in plea discussions, and those have been advancing. So we wouldn't be surprised to see another little flurry of uh, guilty pleas coming. Mm. Basically, parents realizing, okay, if I plead guilty, mm -hmm. I can maybe get a better deal. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you. God, I love this story. So I know you do. I love this when story. When I saw the photo so that Alexis tweeted out that you, uh, I knew you were going to be I think ecstatic. you texted it to me. I smiled. I, I sure did. Started my day with a smile. I sure did. Well, uh, <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't wear sunglasses. <laughs>
before oh, they started trying to Damn, that would have been so funny. All right, well, we've got another great show for you today. I'm so excited to be talking to Jazz Sinclair from the Chilling uh, Adventures of Sabrina. We had some stars yesterday. Sure did. Got some more stars today. But up next, we are going live from the district. Yeah. Welcome back. We are now going live from the district with BuzzFeed News politics reporter Nitty Prakash. Good morning, Nitty. Hello, good morning. Hello. Okay, let's start with a tweet from the New York Times. Some of Robert Mueller's investigators see their report as more damaging for President Trump than the attorney general indicated. Mm. Shocking. Mm. Um, Nitty, at this point, what do we know about their frustrations? So, I mean... I guess what this comes down to is the fact that Barr's report is four pages long, and we know that the Mueller report is nearly 400 pages long. So obviously there is a lot of detail and nuance that we just don't know, uh, and presumably these sources who spoke to the New York Times are referring to some of that, and that it's a little bit more of a complicated picture than maybe that four-page report suggested. What a surprise. I wonder if the New York Times regrets running a headline that acted as if they'd actually read that <laughs> Report. Uh, moving on, BuzzFeed News tweeted, Puerto Rico has received $11 billion, about a quarter of the funding it has been allocated by federal authorities for hurricane recovery, not the $91 billion the president claims. Mm. Nitty, where are the president's numbers coming from? I feel like I've asked you that before. Yeah, you have. <laughs> so, okay, so we have a little bit more clarity about where he's getting the number from. It's still wrong, but he's getting this number basically from putting together the amount of money that has been promised to Puerto Rico that's been approved by Congress and by Trump, and that is $41 billion, and another $50 billion, which uh, basically the, the authorities think that they might spend more, another $50 billion, $50 billion more over the life of the disaster, which could mean up to decades. Basically, it's all of the money that they might spend, you know, until everything is wrapped up many, many years from now. Um, so putting those two figures together, he's getting to $91 billion. I think the point here is that Puerto Rico has up to this point actually received about $11 billion. So nowhere near what he's saying. Nowhere near. That is such a difference. Um, what other false claims is the president of the United States making about Puerto Rico? So, you know, as part of this whole thing that he's brought up this week and last week, one of the things he's been saying is that Puerto Rico has received more disaster relief money than uh, for any hurricane ever in the past. That in itself is already also not true because for Hurricane Katrina, the federal government spent $120 billion dollars. Uh, and then on top of that, we've also just heard him deny the death toll multiple times, you know, ever since, I guess, the Puerto Rican authorities acknowledged that it was the case that some 3,000 Puerto Ricans died as a result of the hurricane. Trump has been calling it a democratic conspiracy um, and has just, you know, outright been denying that those people died. That is incredible and infuriating. Have Puerto Rican officials, I mean, like you just mentioned, they responded to the death toll numbers, but have they responded to any of these new numbers and kind of his refusal to budge on this? Yeah, so it's interesting. The governor of Puerto Rico has been kind of hitting back at Trump. He's been taking to Twitter, he's been putting out statements, and he's been saying, you know, Mr. President, you need to be treating us like citizens as opposed to adversaries. But I will say that in the immediate aftermath of the storm, that is quite a difference because initially he was not critical at all of Trump. Uh, and, you know, I mean, who's to say why that was exactly, but definitely there's been a change of tone from him in the last couple of months. Mm -hmm. Something that's been confusing me, aside from, you know, the cruelty of all 
all of this is like, why is Trump bringing up Puerto Rico now at all? It, it, it seems like he, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like the president forced this back into the news cycle on his own. Why is he doing this? So he's definitely turned it into the contentious issue right now. Um, I mean, I think that what is happening right now on the Hill that's relevant to this is that they're trying to pass this disaster relief bill that would also provide disaster relief to a lot of states that were hit by natural disasters last year and early this year. Um, but I mean, in the bigger picture, that bill, the bill that Republicans put forward is about $14 billion. And in their bill, there was $600 million for Puerto Rico. So it's a very small portion of what that bill is actually about overall. Um, but I mean, I guess that this is the thing that Trump has just, you know, kind of decided to dig his heels in on. As always, I, we'll just leave it there for now. Baffled and frustrated. <laughs> Nidhi, as always, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. All right, friends, up next, you're going to see Isaac sit down interview with Anna Sophia Rock. Here's a tweet from Aaron. If you aren't watching the act, you are truly missing out on one amazingly crazy show. I'm entertained and disturbed all at the same time. I'm joined now by one of the stars of the act, Anna Sophia Rob. Good morning. Good morning. How all are right. you? I'm good. How are you? I'm really good. Your whole outfit is just like brightening my day. Thanks, man. It's really <laughs> lovely. Now, this is, it's a, it's a wild wild uh, show. It, is. it was uh, actually one of the, 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 the creators of the show is Michelle Dean. She wrote the piece for BuzzFeed News in 2016. Yeah. Let's take a look at the show real quick before we get into it. Do you want some? Wait, what? Say that again? We all know it's a few all days. Right, she can have that. Well, she can't have a no, Coke? She's allergic. Sugar, a sip maybe, but a whole Coke, she could go into shock. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Oh, I have an EpiPen. How much did she have? Oh, she didn't have any. We've already gone to the ER six times this year. And as fun as that is, I'd hate to make it seven before the end of summer. Oh my Lord. Now, for those that don't know the story, can you just tell us a little bit about it and where your character fits in? Sure. Uh, the act is based on the real life events of Gypsy Rope Blanchard and Dee Dee, <laughs> and uh, her, played by Patricia Arquette and Joey King. <laughs> and uh, so basically it's about this uh, this mom who has Munchausen's by, well, the audience doesn't know. <laughs> uh, Munchausen's by proxy is a disease where you basically get like, emotional fulfillment mm. by taking care of somebody else and seeing you make someone sick so that you can take care of them and the attention and all that that goes into mm. it. Um, and so basically Joey or Gypsy uh, discovers that her mom is keeping her sick and has been keeping her sick for the majority of her life. Mm -hmm. And it's about her story of like uh, coming of age figuring out her own sexuality and breaking free of her mother in this sort of like prison that she's in. And I play uh, one of her neighbors and one of her only friends. Mm. Uh, Chloe Sevigny is my mother. And mm -hmm. so we're foil characters to Gypsy and Dee Dee. It's about mother-daughter relationships and the contention between them and where Gypsy and Dee Dee seem to have this sort of perfect mother-daughter relationship. Mm. And then on the inside, uh, she's basically torturing her daughter 
Lacey and Mel have this very explosive mother-daughter relationship mm-hmm. where they're mm-hmm. fighting and they're arguing and they don't get along, but it's, uh, you know, but they talk and they work it and they love each other. And it's maybe a little more honest. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. just a smidge more honest. What is it like? You just dropped so many names there, Patricia Arquette, Chloe Sevigny. Like, what is it like working with these rock stars? It's pretty, I remember... I remember reading this the script and being thinking, wow, who are who's gonna play these roles? Like these are just such rich characters. Um, who could possibly play a- a- them? And uh, and Patricia Arquette's name. When I found out she was on board, I was like, oh my gosh, yes, this is this is the woman who can pull this off. And Chloe Sevigny was like, is she old enough to be my mom? She is, but she definitely doesn't look it. She looks amazing. <laughs> oh my gosh. And both of them are such talented artists uh-huh. uh, and and wonderful people. Like Patricia is just. I don't know. It makes me excited to get older because she said that she's having, she's like, I have been doing the best roles of my life and I'm eating and drinking whatever I want and it's great. And I'm like, yeah, this is fantastic. <laughs> um, you're also involved in an all-female version of Macbeth. Mm-hmm. What's that like? What, are you, what roles are you playing? Multiple, I believe. Like, yeah. How excited are you? Yeah, I'm so excited. This has been a dream of mine to do Shakespeare, but then just to do theater. It's uh, for a very long time, and I'm really looking forward to it. I'm doing it with one of my best friends, Isabel Furman. She plays Macbeth, and I'm so excited for her. And uh, we start rehearsals the week after next, and we open in May. That's incredible. Yeah. You also, I mean, you just mentioned it, but you've been acting since since you were nine years old. But you did just graduate college last year, right? Uh Yeah. Are you finding life any different after college? Yeah. Postgrad's been, I mean, it's been good to me, but it's weird. It's just weird. I've always had schools always been a part of my life. I think it's always been a bit of a, like a, uh, not a back, not never a backup plan, but it's always, oh, I'm working and I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. And I think coming to terms with this is what I'm doing with my life. This is what I love. I love storytelling. So being able to shadow on set and look at um, this industry from a different perspective is, I think, really helpful as an artist. I think being able to manifest your own projects um, and have the time to do that Mm -hmm. is important for me as an artist. And it's also like, who do I want to work with? Who do I really respect? Whose career do I... I got some really good advice from one of my friends, uh, Lauren Levine. I did Bridget Terabithia with her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was 12, it was years ago. (laughs) And it's so easy to compare yourself, I think, to other people in general, but Mm -hmm. especially in this industry and as an actor. And she was like, whatever, she was like, I take jealousy and I just use it as as sort of a roadmap. Mm. So if I see a project or see something in that person that I really like, I'm like, well, what, what's behind that? Like, what, what is it that I respect about that person or, or like about that person? Or why do I want that for myself? Ah, this is the thing. I'm gonna go and run with it. Not that you're trying to copy somebody else, right. but there's a, a deeper reasoning. And so I think when you're out of school and you're seeing what everybody else is doing, and you're like, I'm so overwhelmed. Right. Oh my gosh, yeah. there's so many possibilities. Like I feel so blessed and so privileged because the world is my oyster. Especially now with so many women's stories. Um, coming out and then just being able to like, they are looking for more women just in general. I think being able to go like, what is it that I really want? And looking back to the past and 
Lucille Ball or Natalie Portman or different women that I really respect and love and be like, what is it about their careers that I want for myself? That you can make for yourself and find in yourself. And the way you're going to do yeah. that is to keep learning, which that's just in this conversation, I can tell you are just because school's out doesn't mean you're going to stop learning. You're obviously sure. very curious. So that's yeah. so awesome. Well, thank you so much. And thank congrats you. on the show. I'm thank glad I'm, you're like, the future is bright for me, my friend. You're like, everything looks great. I hope so. I, I, think, it, I think it is. That is so cool. But thank you so much for thank coming you. on this show. You can watch new episodes of The Act Wednesdays on Hulu. And we've got more AIM to DM up next. Absolute pleasure, and again. Here's a tweet from We Bisexual. All right. I'm reading this article about Courtney Stodden and crying. I'm not sure if We Bisexual is crying laughing or crying crying. That article was published by BuzzFeed News and is called Courtney Stodden Knows Exactly What Happened. BuzzFeed News reporter Sachi Cole joins me now to discuss. Hey, Sachi, how are you? How are you? So this article is so fascinating and so many people are talking about it online because it just is such a fascinating look into someone that I think a lot of people forgot about, right? Yeah. Do you, for those of people who may not remember who Courtney Stodden is, can you give a brief recap? So in uh, 2011, Courtney Stodden went viral because she was 16 and she married a 51-year-old man. And that's basically what happened. He was an actor. His name's Doug Hutchinson. Uh, he was on Lost and on The Green Mile. And uh, they went to Nevada and she had her parents' consent and they got married and the photos of their wedding went viral and she became this like mini celebrity for a few years. It was extremely strange because yeah. he had such a small part on Lost. I don't even remember. I never what watched he it. Was. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know anything about him. It was very very odd that they both got so famous so quickly. Yeah, I mean it was the odd it was weird. It looked weird. It was obviously disturbing and I think it made people's stomachs turn a little bit and so you know then she became like a reality show standby for a lot of different programs. So why did you decide to profile her now? Whose idea is with it? Oh it was definitely mine. <laughs> <laughs> I think about Courtney constantly. I think every few weeks for like the legitimately for the last eight years I've been like I wonder what happened to her because it was such a strange case of people were mocking her. She was a very easy target. She was a child who was sort of thrust in the public clearly didn't have a lot of supervision. Nobody was really looking out for her. And it was so easy to mock this girl for these choices that I don't think were 100% her own. Um, and then you sort of wonder, like, what happens after you become an adult and all of this sort of fades away? She also filed for divorce. So what happens when that marriage doesn't actually end up being the thing that was kind of going to protect you? So after all this time, you get, actually sat down with her. You met her in her home, yeah. correct? What was she like in real life? She's a delight. She's really nice, she's super funny, she's really smart, and she has an incredible amount of self-awareness about what happened to her. She knows that the marriage was maybe not a great idea, and in any other context, she'd probably look at it as, as abusive in some context, but she's really conflicted, because she did really love this guy, and she really did want to be married to him, and it just didn't work out. So she has an incredible amount of um, understanding of how complicated the scenario is for her and, and how much work she has to do in sort of parsing that. Yeah, you go into a lot of the issues surrounding her upbringing and basically what led her to make this decision to marry a 51-year-old when she was yeah. only 16 and that she's still dealing with this now. I, I was reading your piece and I wonder, does, do you think that she can pull herself out of this and become, you know, a normal functioning adult? Because she's still so young. Yeah, she's 24. I don't know. I don't know if she can. I think it she has a lot of therapy to do, and she really has to decide what kind of life she wants to have. But at this point, she's in a place where 
um, you know, her high school diploma is from an online Christian academy. She didn't go to university. She didn't go to college. She hasn't really figured out any of those like traditional paths. She wants to be a musician. She wants to be a singer. She could very well become that. But I think right now she is kind of stuck and she I don't know what's going to happen to her. I hope she ends up okay. <laughs> yeah, we're all, we're all fully for you. We her. want you to do well. One of the things I was thinking about reading your story is in 2011, this was treated as not, uh, oh my God, this seems to be an abusive situation. What is wrong with these parents sort of situation? But she was called a slut. She was called a whore. It was treated as just this oddity that everyone should basically laugh at. And yeah. It's really interesting because I feel like it's only been seven, eight years, but I think people would be treat this differently now, or do you think that they wouldn't? I mean, I the optimist in me says that I would hope people would treat it differently, and I would I would think that me too, though that feels like a really easy answer. That's obviously changed the way we look at a lot of these sort of gender dynamics and how we talk about young girls and how we talk about young girls and women and sex. Um, but I don't know. I, it's, it feels cocky to sort of say, like, yeah, of course we wouldn't treat it like that anymore. But we keep making the same mistakes. Like, the media keeps making the same mistakes. The way we, t- the discourse we have around girls and women, we keep making those same mistakes. So I don't know. I have no idea. Have you read any comments or heard from any readers who are reevaluating how they view her? Yeah, I think, it ha- I think for some people it did change their minds, and, and maybe she wasn't somebody worth sneering at and and I think sometimes we forget that these people that we you know we watch them in these paparazzi shots and she's wearing these like go-go boots and this ridiculous shirt and this big hair and it's sort of like oh yeah this is an easy person to laugh at but that's not necessarily the right response yeah I mean I would say that we shouldn't laugh at anyone just I disagree there's some I just don't think that's the target I'll give you a different fair enough fair enough well, Saji, thank you so much for joining me. We will tweet out our article. It's so good. I highly recommend you read it if you haven't already. Don't go away. More AMCDM is up next. Fire! Fire! Welcome back. This is a special edition of Fire Tweets. I am joined by Singer author and Real Housewife, Erica Jane, who is going to help me go through some fire tweets. Good morning, how hey, are you? Hey, how are you? Nice oh to see gosh, you. Oh my gosh, I love those. Thank you, that they're fun, huh? gorgeous. Thanks, Fantastic. Thanks, thanks. All right, so I'm gonna show you, this is fire tweets, we read some of the funniest tweets that are out there. Funny, okay. Yeah, I'm gonna show you how it's done, all right? All right, let's do this. Sir Darnick Tart, you tweeted, my five stages of waking up, denial, 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 extreme hostility. Um, okay. Do you relate to this a little bit? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, it was my morning. It was this morning. You had a hard time getting out of bed? I did. I did. Mostly because I didn't sleep. So when I did pass out, it was, I was hostile. You were <laughs> hostile about it. What, were, you, were you up late, na- late I was up because I was excited. I got some good news. You got some good news? Are, you allowed, to, are news. you allowed to share? No. You're going to keep I'm, it under your head? I have to. All right. All but right. it's really good. All right. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Congrats. All right. Hit that button. Do this next fire tweet. All right. Tony tweeted, if I ask you how you are doing and you proceed to tell me, just know we are never having this discussion again. <laughs> do, you, do you have a go-to, like somebody asks, how are you doing? And then that person kind of is like, well, actually, here's how I'm really doing. You're like, this is not why I asked you. Uh, every day. <laughs> all day. Usually when I go, how are you doing? I just really want to hear, I'm okay. Yeah, that's So always- then I can unload on you with my drama. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be honest, 
just, you know, just like, how are you? But listen to me. But here and it my is. problems. <laughs> and bring the focus yes, back over here. Exactly, pretty much. Yeah. Do you have, when somebody does ask you, how are you doing? And you're like, I don't want to get into it. Do you have like a go-to like? I just go, you know what? Right, not right now. <laughs> just not right now. Later. Not, I'm, not right now. Not right, not right now. Not right now. Not right now. All right. <laughs> Alyssa tweeted, me in LA, I'm calm, I'm happy. Life is a gorgeous blessing. Me in NYC, I'm gonna fight this stranger. You know what, that, I, I agree with this because I've lived in both places. Right. And uh, New York City is much more in your face. Yep. And uh, Los Angeles is full of, can I cuss on this show? Yeah, you, oh, let loose. Full of shit. So there you go. So yes. So you like you like the aggression. You like the. I like face. the honesty mm. that New Yorkers have. All right. But I can get I can play that LA bullshit good too. I love it. We yeah. we stand. We yeah. stand. All right. You ready for this tweet of the day? Yes, I am. Okay. Tweet of the day comes from me. <laughs> oh my god! You know what? What did I say? I'm bored with this housewife shit. I'm watching CNN for some real reality. Do you know what this was doing? No, talk to okay. me. The Cohen trial, the Cohen hearing. Yeah, like yeah, Cohen yeah. Hearing. Yeah, that's when I, that's what, yeah, I'd had enough. You wanted the real real. I wanted the real reality show. <laughs> the one that's affecting our lives. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How do you feel about that show right now? How? I think it's pretty fucking scary. Yeah, it is pretty. But it is very entertaining. It is very and entertaining. it's got a lot of different ways it's going to play out, and I can't wait. And you're, you're excited. you feel the same way? Yes, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of ways this thing can go. Excited to see how the next season plays out. Yes. I got to ask you. I yes. got to, you have a lot of drama going on right now. Break down this dog drama for me. Well, the dog is safe, number mm -hmm. one. Uh, yes, the dog was supposed to be returned to the shelter, but it was not. It was given to uh, a home that Dorit mm -hmm. thought was great, but that person ended up dropping the dog off in the shelter. But the story really picks up with how did it get out to the press? And who 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 put it out there? And then it becomes a lot more, um, you know, ugly. Who do you think put it out there? Well, I think all roads lead, lead to Lisa Vanderpump. There it is. You know, all roads lead to Rome, and all roads lead oh, you know, really? to Lisa Vanderpump. So there it is. Okay, you also, obviously, you, you share a lot of your personal life. That's part of who you are. You share it out there on social media. How do you deal with trolls? Uh, you know, trolls are fans in disguise. Say it, say it to camera. Trolls are fans in disguise. Yes, yes. Um, if you have time to troll, you have time to love me. And that's really what you're doing. <laughs> and uh, I kind of feed the trolls a little bit. They always say, you know, you don't feed the trolls, but if I'm bored, I'm feeding some trolls. Yeah, you'll feed some trolls. I'll feed some. Yeah, absolutely. You you got in, you started doing music professionally kind of in your 30s. Well, yeah, I had grown up performing and then stopped and uh -huh. then re-entered the game in my mid-30s. What made you, you want to get it back in the game? Um, you know, I I was living a really great life, but I was unchallenged uh -huh. and unfulfilled uh -huh. in, a, in a personal, creative way. I had everything else. I sure. mean, great marriage, I have a great son. I have everything you could want material-wise, but mm -hmm. inside, I wasn't challenged. Mm -hmm. And I needed that, so that's what I did. I started to create on my own, cut my own path, and here I am today. And how did that How did that feel, when you, when you say you're, you're, you, you were you really wanted to start creating, to, to, how did that feel when you, you realized that was what you were missing? Relieved. Yeah. It was scary and it was comforting at the same time. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a mixture of emotions because I didn't know uh, where it would take me. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't have any expectations other than I felt like these were things that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I think because of that, mm -hmm. it's been able to grow in its own way. That's fantastic. All right. And you did mention that you already had all the material things you needed. Yeah. Now you got even more material things. Yeah. You love to live that material lifestyle. I think everybody should, you know, reach for their, yeah, should dream big. I really do. <laughs> should dream big. Let me ask you, do you, what have you splurged on recently that you just like, what's your big splurge? You know, I think that the most of my budget ends up going into clothing, 
Okay. Hair and makeup accessories, uh-huh. jewelry, things like that. But they are also work tools at the same time. Okay. Because I've created this image, and so <laughs> she's got to keep it going. Okay. Yeah. And you've also, I, I want to get this right, you've got a shoe dazzle called Erica Jane and Erica Girardi. It's That's a right. New, a new shoe collection, right? Yes. You splurge on shoes, I'm guessing. I do splurge on shoes, but I'm actually wearing one of my shoes right now. What? Yeah. They, this is, get it up here. This yes. is Erica Jane for Shoe Dazzle Pretty Mess Pump. I, I'm sorry. I also just love pretty mess. Like, and I love Isn't the phrase. It it's so good. It's, it's so, so good. good. Thank you. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Isn't this great? It's so beautiful. Thank you. That, it's fun. It's absolutely fun. It's and fantastic. more to come, you know, and that's what's great. We've had great support and thank you to everybody who bought the collection. Put it, put, put it right here. What's, what's your inspiration for it? <laughs> Myself. No. <laughs> Let's be honest. I inspired myself. You know? So, hey, there it is. Yep. There it is. All right. Well, I'll let you put your shoe back on. Thank you, my dear. Rockstar, you are absolutely oh delight. Gosh, I truly so appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us, Erica, and helping me get through fire tweets. You can watch Real Housewives of Beverly Hills Tuesday nights on Bravo. And up next, Saeed sits down with Jazz Sinclair from The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Rockstar. Hey, thank you, baby. Praise Satan. I am so excited to be joined by Jazz and Claire, who of course plays Roz on The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, and shout out to this dress girl. Life Thank you is being so much. given. Thank you oh, so much. It's love cool it. colors. I, really I love like it. it. It's like a it's I a really different like it. kind of rainbow vibe. Mm-hmm. Sunset. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I love the show so much. I keep re-watching it. It's one of the few shows where I keep re-watching episodes. Really? Yeah, because I love the the aesthetics and just the atmosphere as much totally. as I love the plot and the characters. Totally. Um, and I love that this season's even darker. For sure. Yeah. Have you uh, seen the whole season? I've got I've watched a few episodes. Okay, I wanted cool, to, cool. you know, yeah. savor it. For sure. Because I will watch it all For in sure. one night. For sure. Um, but also, girl, Jazz is in a love, I can't even call it trying. It's like a love square. It is a love square. Explain this love geometry to Am me. Am I allowed to talk about <laughs> <laughs> Um Yeah, it's a love square okay. for sure. Um, really, I'm just happy that that Roz gets some romance. Yeah, that's true, because last time she was just like all obsessed well, like, with the books. Well, like, you know, and... smart, a little platonic, uh-huh. and, which is awesome. Right. And I, I feel like it's really cool when you see those characters mm-hmm. are like also romantic sexual beings as well. <laughs> right, it's important. Um, yeah, so I'm happy that Roz gets some romance, and I think people are really going to like it. I really it. like it. I really do. Um, I noticed that fans have been talking about real-life romance, too. Yes, they have been talking about that. Is there something they you want to tell us? talking about that? No. <laughs> <laughs> we will just let them continue to talk. Yeah, they can talk. They can talk. <laughs> something I did learn getting ready for this interview that I did not already know about you mm. is that you're also into music. I am. How long have you been doing I am. That? Actually, not very. I mean, okay. I've been singing my whole life, but I, I kind of... I don't know, just thought I couldn't sing or thought I wasn't musically talented and that, like, you just have to be born with it and then that's okay. it. And uh-huh. then, like, a few years ago, I just started singing all the time okay. and was like, oh, I love this. I love it. And have kind of been de- developing my voice and I play a little ukulele and a little okay. piano and I write. and. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so it's a pretty new thing for me, but it's definitely a thing that I really love and will eventually share I love that. with the world, hopefully. Yeah, what, I, you know, because I think there are things that we all do kind of on our own that just bring us joy, kind of yeah. like singing in the shower or totally. you know, writing. Um, but, you know, few people are able to kind of push through mm-hmm. and commit to it more. Mm-hmm. How are you doing that for yourself? Mm-hmm. Well, really, it's right now, it's um, making myself uncomfortable because, oh. like, I, I have... 
stuff. I uh-huh. have songs and I haven't really shared them a lot. Mm-hmm. And then I just did a show in Phoenix. Okay. And so I'm starting to kind of kind of push outside of, mm-hmm. of that and just make myself a little uncomfortable and a little bold. Okay. Um, yeah, and it's I just love a love it. thing. So I'm always singing. I'm right. always making something and recording a voice memo. Just a part so it's of just a, it's just a matter of like putting it all together and sharing it. I love it. Yeah. Um, well, you know, of course, uh, Sabrina and Riverdale are kind of sister shows. Mm-hmm. That's how I think of them, sister wives. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and Riverdale always has like the musical episode. Totally. Um, and I've wondered, is there going to be like a musical element of Sabrina at some point? Well, there is a musical element okay. for sure. I think Roberto's just a fan of music and mm-hmm. musicals in general. So mm-hmm. he, there's always going to be some of that in his okay. projects, I think. Yeah. Um, and we have a musical number Ooh. in the finale. Oh, we okay. do. We do, and it's going to be really cool. I'm so it's excited. going to be really cool. I I'm excited for people to see it. But there's always a little singing here and there. <laughs> I'm so here for it. Yeah. Um, something that one of the things I loved about the first season um, was the way queerness and and just LGBT visibility was woven in so naturally to the show, yeah. especially with Susie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, and I know that develops more this season. Yeah. Um, you know, it's and, and to me, it was immediately apparent. I was like, maybe this character is queer, maybe non-binary, trans, mm-hmm. figuring something out. Mm-hmm. And I loved seeing your character, Roz, be such a good friend to her. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it like kind of performing that friendship? What were the things you two were thinking about? Yeah, I mean, it's it was it kind of, they kind of mirrored each other mm-hmm. because for me as jazz, mm-hmm. With Lachlan, it's like, I'm only going to listen to what Lachlan has to tell me about their experience because I don't know what it's like. Mm-hmm. And with Roz, it's kind of a similar thing. So I really, like, Lachlan really took the reins on that one and was really, really thorough and, and really specific and really put a lot of heart in it. And so it was kind of easy for me to just, like, step back and be like, yep, I support you in the character and out of it, right. you know? Yeah, it was really beautiful. Yeah. Um, and then something else, like, just like, Roz gives us so much. Yeah. Um, I grew up in Texas. I did too. Um, really? Wait, I Dallas. Grew, oh my God, I grew up in Louisville. Really? Shut up! Oh, are we neighbors? <laughs> We're neighbors. Oh my God, incredible. Um, well, you know, with the, the book plot and your characters fighting for the Toni Morrison book, mm-hmm. when I was in high school, not a single book by a black author was taught. Oh, Does this happen to you as well? My high school was yes. so nitpicky yes, about absolutely. information. They would yeah. just cut out chunks, especially mm-hmm. Texas. No. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Just like cut out chunks uh-huh. of history and just act like Not talk about didn't, it. things didn't Absolutely. happen. Like we didn't really talk about Native Americans. Mm-hmm. We really didn't talk about mm-hmm. internment camps. Like yeah. it was just like we're heroes. Right. Don't so were you questions. kind of drawing from that experience? Because I mean, yeah. you fighting for Honestly, beloved. I was. I was. Like, I was like, we should have read books like this mm-hmm. at my school, and we just didn't. Right. We we read some good books for sure, but. Right. All in the name of Texas staying looking good, right? You know, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I really loved that plot point, and it, it was it was really fun to get really fiery about right. that, and yeah. like, um, yeah, so good. And it, it feels like it connects to the bigger idea of the entire show, which to me is is women um, coming to terms with their rage, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and 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 their revolution. I like you know, that. Wanting to, I like to that. push back, you know, totally. even within, you know, praise Satan. <laughs> for sure, yeah. for sure, for sure. Because I th- and I think that's such an important thing mm-hmm. because as women, just like men are told not to cry, right. women are told that we're not allowed to be angry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you're a human and right. you get angry, yeah. and it's so important to start to develop a healthy exactly. relationship Especially with that. And part of that kid. is just expressing it. And yeah. if you're a badass witch, yeah. that's going to look how good. it's going to look. But yeah. I do think it's a good message to be like, it's okay to be angry. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. What's what's it like on set? Like, do you, because your character is starting to come into her powers. Were you, like, eager to kind of get to flex that muscle Heck a little yes. bit more? Yeah. Heck yes. <laughs> you saw what I was about to say. Yeah, I was like, like right, you can. You are really? Oh, yes. Well, I wanted to say fuck yes. Um, <laughs> See? You're rewarded here. Yeah. For oh, good. That's so fun. Um, yeah, pretty much day one when yeah. I got on set, I was like, does Roz get a superpower? <laughs> Am I going to be psychic? Um, so when I when I got the cunning, I was mm-hmm. like, yes. yes. So and good. it develops more oh, in the good. second part. It gets more exciting and more in-depth, and there's all kinds of stuff. There's kind of no mm-hmm. limits to the cunning, which is a it. really cool story piece, really. really and, cool. they, and they get to use me a lot more yeah. in, in that, like that in the magic world uh-huh. because of that. Um so it's exciting. It's cool. And it was also, you know, like, I feel like often sh- I love sci-fi and, and and shows with magic and fantasy. And often when there are shows about witches, they leave out the black magic tradition. They totally. leave out, you know, what came from, from West Africa or well, from the Caribbean. Well, think about it. Wizard, if you mm-hmm. call somebody a wizard, mm-hmm. it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's a compliment yeah. because it's a male magic right. person. Uh-huh. If you call somebody a witch, right. it's always been an insult. Mm-hmm. So they're probably trying to leave out the darkness because they're scared of like crossing oh, over into that territory. Whereas our show is like, call me a witch. Yeah, because that's the least of <laughs> right. the least of the issues right. we have to work through. I, I would be so lucky, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, and speaking of clairvoyance, I've been told that you kind of have a that's good so instinct funny. for it How as well. How have you been told that? <laughs> Where sneaky. did you find I'm this sneaky. out? <laughs> It's like something I tell my friends. I'm like, y'all, you won't believe what just happened. Same. Um, yeah, because sometimes you just know things. Mm-hmm. Sometimes yeah. you just know, yeah. and you don't know how you know, and you just do. Totally, and you have that like what... deja vu feeling for something mm-hmm. that actually hasn't mm-hmm. happened. I'm just yet. like, I don't know why, but I'm 100% sure of this. I love it. It just happens sometimes. Has being immersed in the world of the show made you more open to just thinking about, you know, magic and fantasy? I've always loved it, though. That's not a new thing for me. Mm -hmm. That's part of the reason I did the show. Okay. Because I love magic and the idea of magic and, Uh like, Harry Potter and all of that. I've Uh always been really into that. Uh So... And always been really open to that, too. Okay, I love yeah. it. I love it. Well, so before you go, uh, yesterday we had a bunch of your castmates here. Oh, I was cool. so jealous because I wanted to get to sit down and hang out with them. But now I get to sing out and chill I know, with this you, is so queen. fun. <laughs> um, but we asked them if they were Team Harvey or Team Nick because, you know, that love square thing that's happening. So we're going to ask you two. Here's your paddle. Okay, okay. Are you Team? Is this, lo- is this love square or is this love triangle questions? This is in real life. Are you more Team Harvey or Team Nick? And then you'll have to explain your thinking. Damn. Yeah. And you know what? It's just me, you, and Twitter. (laughs) It's just me, you, and the world. Um, This is hard because I love them both as people so much. So I'm like, who do I pick? Mm. Maybe Team Nick. Team Nick. Okay, speak on Because I really like how he supports how powerful she is. I think that's really badass. good reason. That's a good yeah. reason. We only care about men who are of use. Yeah. <laughs> but Harvey's so okay. sweet. Harvey is very and sweet. And so loyal yeah. and true and just good. I see. That's a hard, it's I hard. I It's hard. Team. Okay, I get it's it. Hard. They're both cute. It's and cute. I love them as people. Gavin yeah. and Ross are like two of my favorite so humans. They were adorable. I know. Adorable. It's gross. Yeah. <laughs> they're so cute. <laughs> they're so cute. Yeah, they were telling me that people are always asking them in interviews if they're dating. They're adorable. And they're like, we kind of want to say yeah. We ship um, it. Well, Jazz, mm-hmm. thank you so yeah, much. It was so was fun just getting to hang this out with so you. Fun. This was so fun. I feel like, are we doing a show? We're just yeah, hanging, no, we're just hanging out. Honestly, lives, I really truly. feel that way. Just chilling. This is cool. Well, friends, part two of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina comes out on Netflix tomorrow. I'm so excited to cancel all of my plans and just watch it. Up next, we're going to be reading more of your tweets. (laughs) 
What a morning. What great guests. Oh my God. Okay, I have a pitch for y'all. Erica Jane 2020. Uh-huh. Uh, and so, Jazz is going to be her VP. Done. Get her life. Done. Get her life. Done. Or they can switch places, whatever. I stand. I'm, I'm obsessed. I'm, I'm sorry. When Erica Jane, <laughs> I like bring up her shoes and she's just like, <laughs> here it, like took it off. For the record, she did the last end of that segment standing on one leg. She's just out here just performing on one leg, shoe on the table. It was incredible. I love that so much. I now follow Erica Jane on Instagram. I tweeted about her at least twice. I was full on screaming in the control room. I thought I was going to get in trouble. I was, oh, my God. And then jazz. Yes. Oh, life. I, I literally, there was so a moment lovely. I forgot what we were doing there. And then my producer You're was like, like, can you get to the last question? I was like, right, this is an interview. I am not just hanging out with We're not just kicking it. We're not just kicking it. I feel like I've known it. forever and we both grew up in Texas. Incredible. Well, you also love this quote from our fire tweets with Erica Jane and it is iconic. Mm. Trolls are fans in disguise. You better know. That was absolutely. Shout out to that. When she said that, when she's like, if you got the time to like come for uh-huh. me, you've got the time to love me. Yeah, I why was are you so like, obsessed with oh. me though? Oh, it was so good. It. Rachel Hey Girlfield had this to say about my interview with Anna Sophia Robb. I liked Anna Sophia Robb in The Carrie Diaries. Oddly enough, I thought this show was better the less it referenced Sex in the City. And I can see that. I can see sometimes they do a spin-off show. Right. Just let it go. Let it spin. Exactly. Right. Right. Let it spin. Let it have well its own identity. Said. I agree. All right. Princess Leia had this to say about our college admission discussion earlier. Mm. This Lori Loughlin situation really chapped my ass, and that is a phrase that I quite like. I saw a wonderful response that it isn't even confidence, it is just plain old arrogance. And the audacity and sheer I don't give a fuck about the people I've hurt attitude is so fucking ugly. That's that's very Damn. Cool. That's the thing. I feel like the reason I have to like laugh my way and delight my way through talking about the college admission scam mm-hmm. is because the other option is to fucking seize. It's to, uh, where is <laughs> just, it? Some Molotov cocktails, <laughs> a couple of, uh, oh just said there's torches on yeah. fire. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. ah. The only white people who are less apologetic about their behavior are Facebook executives. Anyway, before we go, (laughs) before we burned any more bridges this morning, we wanted to let you know that we're doing something we're really excited about. We're going to have some merch. What? Um, That's right. Some merchandise, darling. So since you love our lower thirds so much, um, you're going to get to pick what our first shirt is going to be. We're going to have a shirt based on lower thirds, and you get to vote um, on your favorite lower third from the past week. So the past week, basically, Mm. a lower third that was on the show can now be on a t-shirt. There's our option. So we've got trust no one today, but also every day. That's my personal favorite. Okay. The timeline may be a mess, but at least it's honest. <laughs> and millennials are taking the total out of teetotalers. Oh, I like you know. Is that I the like drinking one? Yeah, okay. you know I like a pun. I like that last <laughs> one. Listen, we will reveal which lower third won tomorrow. So we're putting it out there right now. Vote. Coming across your body. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you to all of our guests today: Melissa Korn, Nitty Prakash, Stephanie McNeil, Sachi Cole, Jas and Claire, Erica Jane, our new president, and Anna Sophia Rob. Thank we, you. We will be back here tomorrow. <laughs> at 10 a.m. Guess what day it's going to be? Oh, thank God it's Friday. It's going to be Friday, guys. You're getting there. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs>